Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we're going to get started today. Father, we just thank you for this time that you have given to us to fellowship together and gather together. We indeed want to hear you speak to us right now. Lord, we need to hear from you directly what you would have us to do right now in our lives. And when it comes to the people that we come in contact with, the circle of individuals that we have influence with, we pray for those individuals as well too. Lord, what would you have us say to them? What would you have us do for them? How would you have us encourage those people? I pray, Lord, that you give us this wisdom and insight to be of value in your kingdom. To truly live in a Christ-like manner before you, to others. Where, Lord, you are being glorified in not the words that we use per se, but we're being glor- you're being glorified because we are representing you in all things. I thank you, Lord, for how you are going to teach us now. From this day forward, to remain focused on you. And we give you praise and thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday, we um, during our Zoom Bible study, we covered a passage in the book of Luke that got me thinking more about the importance of Bible study, pretty much in line with what we just talked about. And how you and I can gain wisdom and understanding that is applicable to today's world. That passage that provoked this additional thought is in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Luke 8, verses 1 through 3. Luke 8, 1 through 3. Now, the amazing thing about Scripture, and we're going to go into this um, just briefly in detail, but it's amazing how when you go through passages, if you read too quickly, you miss things sometimes. And it's not about reading quickly. It's like you're getting a checkbox list done when it comes to reading the Bible. That should never be your approach. The beauty of passages like this is that you can always come back to it and go back over it and look at it again. Let's read Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, he being Jesus, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, verse 2, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. Now, this is the only mention within the four Gospels of the complete group of women who travel with Jesus and the 12 disciples. There are going to be references to um, Joanna and Mary Magdalene in different areas, but this is the only mention that covers all of these different women. We don't have the exact number, but we've got to believe that it's a number that's substantial. And first, it's not a stretch to note that Jesus was doing what? Showing everyone that these women were important to him and to his disciples. 
culturally, women did not have the same standing as men. Amen? That was the culture. And yet these women were traveling companions and treated as equals. We are most familiar with Mary Magdalene, who was healed from demon possession. And if you recall, she was there throughout Jesus' ministry. She was there at the cross, along with Jesus, uh, along with uh, Mary of Clopas, after he was resurrected from the tomb, after the crucifixion. And that's in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. A lesser known but very important woman referenced in this group is Joanna. Joanna. She is the wife of Chusa, Harold's household manager. Now this is interesting in itself because the Herod referred to here is the son of Herod the Great. The same Herod who ordered all male children aged two and under to be killed in and around Bethlehem. That's in Matthew chapter 2. Verses 16 through 18. The son, Harold Antipas, was in charge of Galilee and his reputation was just as bad as his father's. He was the leader that Jesus encountered in Luke 23 before his crucifixion. And he was also responsible for the beheading of John the Baptist. Chusa was essentially Herod's chief staff or business manager. Joanna's provision from her means was actually probably a large amount of money in her family. And it probably came from the collection of taxes. She was quite wealthy. And yet she was intrigued by Jesus and learned more about him as she traveled with him. Joanna was also mentioned in Luke 24.10 when she, Mary Magdalene, and the other women were trying to tell the apostles that Jesus was no longer in the tomb. That's in Luke 24, 10. Now, it must be pointed out that Joanna was, by all accounts, still married to Chupa. There is no reference to her being divorced, yet she moved about freely with Jesus and his disciples. This would have been highly controversial if it were to occur today, let alone back then. And yet it is clear that Jesus had made such an impression on these women that there was no looking back. In much the same way that he invited members of his disciples to come and see, the women did much the same. Now I went through this exercise to show how important it is for all of us to go much further in our reading and seek greater understanding of the word of God. If you read too fast through verses 1 through 3 in Luke, you'll miss it. But now you have a greater picture of the importance of many of the people who surrounded Jesus Christ. Without this extra digging here, you would never have known about these extra details. You would have to go and look it up. It's easy to look up. It's not hard to find. And it's important for you to see that these women travel with Jesus as documented in scripture from early in his ministry through the time of resurrection. They stayed with him. They kept after him. Here's a question for you 
and the listening audience. And I say listening audience because we have a podcast to everybody. So here's a question for you. How serious are you in taking your personal study time to the next level? How serious are you in taking your personal study time to the next level? Now this question is for both men and women, but guess what? Let's point out something that is really obvious. Um, Women have been more involved in church Bible studies than men have been. Amen? Women have been more involved in church Bible studies than men have. Now this is more than just a casual observation. While the overall numbers of church attendance reflect a general decline over the past 12 years, at least for those people who call themselves weekly churchgoers, the number of women in church still surpasses that of men. According to Pew Research, this is a quote, Overall, women are more likely than men to be affiliated with a religious organization. Women also pray more and are more inclined to say religion is very important in their lives. These findings come from survey data collected by Pew Research Center in up to 84 countries, 84 countries, that compare men and women in several different aspects of religious commitment. It's very specific. Commitment. The women described in Luke were wired in the same way that the women of today who follow Jesus are wired. Here's an important fact and a point. They had an emotional, not romantic connection with Jesus. Emotional connection. Amen? Amen. Women have an emotional connection with Jesus. That's why women seem to be, and I'm going to use this in quotes, further ahead in matters of faith and prayer and have an innate desire to learn about Jesus more than men do. Now, this is not meant to be a criticism, but I want you to just follow along with me on this. With this in mind, and respectfully speaking to the men in this audience and to those listening online, is it a matter of men getting caught up in church where the women are? Now, the answer is no. Not at all. The moment that you start looking at this as a competition between men and women, you're giving this matter now over to the flesh. It's not a competition. It's never a competition. What this is more about is your desire to learn more about Jesus. Your desire to learn about Jesus. Amen? That was all. That was one guy that said amen, by the way. The other guys, the other guys in the room was like, In the old days, I'm going to say the old days because I don't know any other thing to call it. The old days, men, even church-going men, treated Sundays much differently than the women did. Men were the weekend warriors who found it prudent to take in football games, play golf, or work out in the yard. Amen? That's what the men did. That's what they paid attention to. Today's less stereotypical view 
is that while men in the church are more engaged with other church members during Sunday morning services, they are harder to find in church Bible studies. Harder to find them in church Bible studies. My argument to the men, including to myself many years ago, was that if I can give football or any sports outlet a priority, then I should be able to give the one who saved me the highest priority when it comes to learning more about him. Amen? The one who saved me. The one who keeps me. The one who lifts me up when I'm down. That is the priority. It's all about taking your relationship with Jesus to the next level. The next level. No one should be plateauing in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? No one, no one, man or woman, should be plateauing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It must continue to get to the next level. Whatever that level is. Getting to the next level is fueled by your love for Jesus. Loving Jesus is more than just saying you love him. When we say we love Jesus, our actions must follow our words. Amen? A lot of people can talk all kinds of stuff all the time, but when it comes to action, do you really love Jesus? John says it several times in his writings. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 14. Let's look at John 14. We're going to bounce a little bit in these next few passages. Not too much, but in the same chapter here. John chapter 14, verse 15. And then we're going to look at chapter 15, verse 10. But let's start with 14, 15. John 14, verse 15. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's it. If you want to show a love for Jesus Christ, you keep his commandments. That means the Bible that you read, the words that you look at, and we talked about this this morning, the Bible is what there to do what? To give truth and provide correction. Give truth and provide correction. That's in 2 Timothy 3.16. Now go to John 15.10. John chapter 15 verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. The love is rooted in what? Keeping God's commandments. If you're keeping His commandments, He's saying you will abide in my love. That's when you're really reciprocating love. That God already loves you. But in order for you to show love for him, you keep his commandments. 
Now flip over down to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 8. 1 John 4, 8. First John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is the answer where we're saying we're putting our words into action when we say we love God. If you say you love God, but you don't know Him, what does that make you? It makes you a liar. Amen? Words mean things. Now flip over to 1 John 5, 3. Just going over one chapter. 1 John 5, verse 3. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments... And his commandments are not burdensome. Now notice, when you see something in Scripture more than once, guess what? Pay attention to it. It's just affirming everything we've just said. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Period. And his commandments are not burdensome. And, and John adds this because, you know, some people say, Oh man, a bunch of rules and stuff to follow. That's our flesh talking, everybody. If you really want to do something, you're going to do it. Amen? If you want to mess around on somebody, you can mess around on you. You'll do it because that's what your flesh is dictating. But if you really want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to recognize that what he tells you is for your own good. And you learn that as you stay in fellowship with him. As you read and study on a regular basis. You can't pick up the Bible once a month and expect to get anything out of anything. You can't pick up the Bible once a year on Easter Sunday. The only time you might be seen in a church somewhere. And say, uh, be holy because I am holy because you ain't being holy anyway. Amen? That's just playing around. That's just not taking things seriously. Now that's no one in this company here. Amen? Amen. We'll say that. No one here in this room is like this, described to be anything like that. But you get where I'm coming from. And perhaps you know someone in your family that needs to be prayed for. We'll get to that. If you love God, if you love Jesus, you can take your relationship with him to the next level. How easy is it to love Jesus? It's as easy as you want it to be. It's as easy as you want it to be. He makes loving him very easy. He makes it easy for you. Flip over to Matthew 11. Matthew 11 and let's look at verses 28 through 30. This verse should be a real comfort to anyone who feels like they are just buried and are under all kinds of pressure. 
and all kinds of difficulty, all kinds of stress and strain. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you don't quite know what's going on. Maybe you have to literally go from moment to moment. But look at what Jesus says to you specifically with these words. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on Him. To all who call on Him in truth. The Lord is near. The Lord is right here in this room. Where more more than two are gathered, the Lord is present. So the Lord is near, and it's easy to call on Him and rely upon Him. These are all very good reasons to develop a relationship with Jesus. Why wouldn't you? He's right here. He's present. But now you continue to develop that relationship. Is anything holding you back? Is anything holding you back? This is directed to everyone, men and women. Is anything holding you back? If there is hesitancy on your part to give everything to Jesus, perhaps it's because there's a good chance that you are set in your ways. Or maybe you think that you're losing something for giving up the way you have been living for Jesus. In some weird way, that covers a lot of ground. Those two statements. You're either set in your ways, or you think you're going to lose something by giving up what you're doing right now and following Jesus. Is it because you're skeptical of Jesus based upon a past event or perhaps a misunderstanding in dealing with the church? A person who looks at these issues objectively is aware that it is not people that we are to follow or emulate. Amen? We don't follow people in the church. It's all about following the words and promptings of Jesus. Don't lose your focus on what church is about. The fellowship time, the people, fantastic. But the focus is on Jesus Christ. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 10, 31. We're going to read through that passage from 10, 31 and go to 11, 1 as well, too. Because that actually is a context for the statement that's being made by Paul. Okay? 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through verse 11, 1. First Corinthians 10, verse 31. A familiar passage. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, 
You know, don't get caught up on the whatever you eat or drink part. It's whatever you do. It's everything that you do. Do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, as Paul, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others. What? So that many may be saved. Paul knew what his mission in life was. To get people saved. And guess what? As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and your testimony, what do you think your mission is? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go and speak to people about Jesus Christ. For the purpose that the Holy Spirit, who touches every single person who becomes a believer, that person gets saved. And then the last part, verse 1, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. That's for all of us. Imitate Christ. I hope you can see that throwing off how you live and emulating, not copying off of somebody, but emulating how a follower of Jesus lives requires an act of humility. And it shows the importance of church fellowship. Church fellowship, whether it's in person, church fellowship, whether it's a Zoom Bible study. Now, I know they're not the same thing. And it can be controversial if you talk to some people about it. But as far as I'm concerned, fellowship is fellowship. You can see somebody's face. You can wave to them and talk to them and say hello to them and encourage them. You're fellowshipping. Honest to goodness, if you're on the phone with somebody, unless you've got one of those Dick Tracy phones, you can look at somebody in their face. You're talking to somebody. You're fellowshipping with them. You're having communication with them. You're having encouraging times with them. We have so much to be thankful for today. Do you realize how we've been able to transform ourselves as a church, even through a time of great stress and difficulty? We're blessed. We learn about Jesus when we act and live in a manner that brings Jesus to the forefront, the forefront of our lives. We cannot live for Jesus when we just make lip service and keep him in the background of our life. Go to church on Sunday, you'll never see the person again until next Sunday. If you see him then. That's not the forefront. A lot of commentary here, isn't it? And there's the rub. Coming to Jesus Christ is very easy and simple, but our flesh... And selfishness makes it the hardest thing for us to ever do. Our flesh, our selfishness, keeps us away from focusing on the one who truly is important. Without humility, you cannot get to the next level. Amen? Amen. Take a moment now to pray for those you know who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And also for those who do know the Lord, but have not pressed on the accelerator to move them into a closer relationship with Jesus.
We have those people too. Haven't pressed on the accelerator. Don't let the stuff, the love of stuff and money, keep you from committing to Jesus. Take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. This is another stumbling block for a lot of us. Love of stuff and money. And I'm mentioning this because, honestly, that was an issue with the rich man and, um, that had the encounter with Jesus. The one who had everything and talked about selling all of his possessions, but yet he still lacked because his heart was not there. But let's look at what it says in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. Verse 6, yet true godliness with contentment is in itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Amen. If we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Amen? Amen. Be content. Verse 9. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Notice how people often find reasons to not make a commitment to Jesus. And that includes people who profess to know. Did I say that? Well, it's true. They'll find reasons not to truly commit to Jesus Christ. They'll say, yeah, I know him. Yeah. Okay. Don't let your flesh hold you back. Amen? Your flesh is anti-Christ. Your flesh is anti-Christ. Not the anti-Christ. Anti-Christ. When Jesus says it's easy to come to him, he means it. He encourages you to seek after him. If you want to learn from him, you'll need to sit under him. Sit under him. Go to Luke 10. Let's look at verses 38 through 42. Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. Verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into their, her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Also, it's really important not to read too fast. It wasn't even just the fact that she wasn't helping. 
She's anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Don't let the cares of the world keep you from entering into a wholehearted relationship with Jesus Christ. I know it's tempting to watch TV all the time and look at all the stuff that's going on. Like, oh Lord, what is happening? Remember, everybody, I don't care what's going on in the world, God knows everything about it. He has allowed it for a reason and a purpose. It's not for you to be concerned about what's going on in the world. It is important for you to be in the Word and stay in the Word. That's the most important thing. Guess what? Biblical prophecy will eventually be fulfilled. Amen? It's going to be fulfilled because God promises it will be fulfilled. But we don't need to get caught up in all the minutiae as to how that's going to take place. Really and truly, that's a distraction. And Satan wants you off of focus on Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's a distraction. Just go after Jesus now. Walk, run, or just move towards him. Jesus will hold nothing back from you as you seek after his wisdom. He's going to help you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Take it to the next level. Just go after him. And stay after him. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he rescued me from all my fears. Are you afraid? Seek the Lord. Are you fearful? Go after him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you search with me with all your heart. Search for me with all your heart. Remember the women we discussed who travel with Jesus. You could make an argument that they were most compelled to follow him because of his healing ability. Well, I want you to take a look at this passage and see if that holds up. Go to Luke 17. We're going to read really quickly through verses 11 through 19. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. You could make a conclusion they felt obligated to follow Jesus because there was healing that took place. Okay, let's take a look at this passage and see if that holds up. I'm going to challenge you, it's much more than that. I'm going to challenge you, it's the heart of the person. Luke 17, starting at verse 11. This is the English Standard Version. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now all of them spoke. They knew who Jesus was. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back 
praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Verse 17, then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. It takes effort to seek Jesus, but it takes faith to stay after him. And your faith will not only make you well, it will give you strength and endurance as you live for him. Remember, ten were healed. One came back. It's all about the heart. Never forget that. Here's a real truth too. God in his grace will heal you. Amen? But how do you respond to that? Now, after reading and hearing these appeals, to put aside whatever it is that keeps you away from Jesus and seek after him, always know that Jesus loves you. Amen? Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you to experience eternal life with him. He truly does not want to see anyone perish. Go to John chapter 3. Let's look at verses 16 and 17. Sometimes we blow by John 3.16. But let's read it. Look at it. Look at what it says. John 3.16. Now this is the English Standard Version. Just follow along in your Bible. For God so loved the world. Now, understand something. God is telling you how much he loves you. Right there. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And verse 17, which has become one of my favorite verses, because verse 17 is a real important thing to see in a world that we are in, where everybody wants to condemn everybody else. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen. He is a God that does not want to condemn. He wants people saved. And the lesson here is that he's not condemning, but you condemn yourself if you don't follow Jesus. You put yourself behind the eight ball. Let's follow the example of the men and women that traveled with Jesus during his mission. They showed us how they took their relationship with Jesus to the next level. It was a wholehearted commitment to love Jesus and live for him. That's what it was all about. Coming out of their own pockets and paying for things. Taking care of things as they were traveling. That was a commitment they made. No one compelled them to do that. They chose to do that. You can get to the next level in your relationship with Jesus. Loving him gets you started. Amen? Loving him. And what do we say about loving him? Keep his commands. Follow his word. Reading and investigating his word keeps you moving. Stay in the word. 
praying and meditating on his word gives you the momentum you need. I love that word, momentum. Don't look at where others are around you. Don't look at what other people are doing in their own personal relationship. This message is just for you. It's time to get to the next level in your relationship with Jesus. The next level. Pray on those things. Think on these things. Seek after the Lord Jesus to help you to find ways to do even better than you've done before in this area. And you know what? Pray for your family members too. Pray for your spouses. Pray for the ones who are not here who need to have that greater understanding. Pray that the Spirit speaks to them. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to just hear your truth. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to us in a personal manner to encourage us to not allow ourselves to get distracted. And Lord, we truly do want to keep growing and developing in you. Lord, we really do want to get to that next level, whatever that level is. And Lord, we want to continue to keep growing in this manner. Lord, we pray that you bless us now and keep us, teach us, encourage us, remind us of how your burden is easy and your yoke your, your is easy and your burden is light. We thank you, Lord, for all these truths and your teaching. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.